Today I want to strictly look at and, and just spend our time in Ephesians chapter 4. Actually, I don't think we're going to even come out of these few verses of Scripture. just going to stick with this and stay with it. Um, <clears throat> the word I gave you in, in, in July about this whole fall is the word engage, to engage or engagement. And I just, you know, we defined the word engage as intertwining, meshing together, coming together. And it also entails, as we come together, the influence that is produced in numbers. The, 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 the influence in community and the world that is produced by numbers believing the same thing, people believing the same thing. If we come together in a local unit and, and a local congregation of people, if we come to get together in spite of each other, I'm going to say it again, if we come together in spite of our differences, then we can make an effect and an impact and influence our community because people will see unity in spite of differences. See, a lot of times people think there is no unity because there's differences. In fact, our differences should strengthen us and make us better. It should. And, and so today I, wanna, I, I want to go, go on from, this is another rule of engagement, I want to go on from just talking about engaging. And, and today the title of my message is about equipping, equipping the saints. And, and what engagement looks like as a result of the process of equipping. And I, I believe that in this passage, there's something that's very clear that we're going to drive home today, and it will make and, and, and cause you to understand a little bit better why we believe in connect, connections and connect groups, why we're promoting connect groups. It's not just to say we have them, and, and we want to have them, but we don't, that, that, just having connect groups is not the goal. That there is a purpose behind the connect groups, and that's what I want to lay out today. And, and what happens is people get equipped. What, what, um, uh, what, like, for instance, what the horns said earlier. When they came to that connect group, Steve had some ideas in his mind that were different than God's ideas. And when he came to that connect group, those ideas that were not God's ideas began to change. See, we're, we're, we're not in the business of trying to force people to believe something they don't want to believe. I'm going to say it again. As a Christian, you are not called to force people to believe something that they don't want to believe. It never works. It's never worked, and it will never work. Convincing somebody of something that they've not had time to meditate on and think on and actually have a, a, a real um, good opportunity to make a quality choice about something, if you force that on them, they're, they're going to rebel. It's human nature to rebel against something that you're told to do instead of something you have the opportunity, you're given enough information to make a choice to do. See, God gave us choice. 
We're creatures of choice. There, there are animals in the world. Most animals in the world have no choice. We have a choice. We've been given the ability to make choices, but we have to have right information and have to be equipped the right way to make the right choice. And if you do that, it's a, to me, that's the beauty of Christianity. That's the beauty of the kingdom of God and what the kingdom is about and what you and I were created to do. I'm telling you today, you were created to be a minister of righteousness and reconciliation to the world before you were called to do anything else. I'm not talking about a vocation. I'm, I'm not talking about some position. I'm talking about a, 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 a position in God that you were called and created to operate in day by day. Every one of us were called to it. Amen? So I'm going to take a few minutes in looking at the church, which is the body of Jesus Christ in the earth, as we talked about last week, and, and how... That in the church setting, in this, in this church setting, our vision is to love God and love people because that's God's vision. It's to love God and love people and to make disciples. That's God's vision. The last strong statements that Jesus made in the earth in the form of commandments was to love people the way you love yourself, to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, to love your neighbor, and to make disciples. That's, that's what he commissioned and commanded us to do. If that was the last statements that he made on the earth and he was serious about those, how serious are we taking those? We have to ask, us, ask ourselves those questions at different times. So in Ephesians 4 and verse... <clears throat> I'm going to start with... Um, Verse 11, and it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we come to that place. And today, what I want to look at is three things. In verse 11 and verse 12 and verse 13, there are three different components that make up and create a church that is effective. We're a part of the body of Jesus Christ around the world. This is a local congregation that's part of the body of Jesus with a vision to accomplish things where we're at, but it, it's a worldwide vision because nobody has just a local vision. You can't have a local vision and be a part of the church because God, God's vision is a worldwide vision. And so our our vision at Gates of the City is just part of the, the church of Jesus Christ. But if we're not effective in the local congregation, we won't be effective as, as, as a part of the body of Jesus Christ. That's why you have congregations of people. It's this, this congregation isn't the church. You're the church. He's the church. He's the church, she's the church, and so on down the road. I'm the church, you're the church, but 
we're the church, right? So in this group of people right here, you're the church. I'm the church. But we make up the parts of the body that are the church because the church in the New Testament is from the house or the temple in the Old Testament. And the church in the New Testament, according to Ephesians 1, is his body. The church is his body. Is there one part that makes up a body? No. There are many parts. Many parts you see, many parts you don't see, many parts you don't really want to see. You know, But, but there are a lot of parts of the body. Can you say amen? So, so what Jesus did in the earth as his body, now we're his body, and you cannot do what he did, but we can. You're not going to do individually what he did because you're a part. But we can do what he did, and even greater, because now he's gone to the Father, and now he represents us, but now we have to do it together. Any two agree. Notice that he say, not one of you, just go pray. If one of you will go pray, anything you ask will be done. No, if any two. What's he talking about? He's talking about the power of agreement. Two people are powerful, but three are that much more. Four are that much more. Five are that much more. One will put 1,000. Two will put 10,000 to flight in, where the enemy is concerned. One, two, three, five, fifty, a hundred, ten thousand, whatever. If we come together and agree, there's amazing things that can happen. Amen. Amen? Right. I mean, there's, there is probably seven, there's probably two hundred. Probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 250 million Christians. Is that right? There's 700 million people in the United States. Am I right? Maybe I'm wrong. Whatever. There's about 45% Americans that are Christian. There's, there's 60 plus percent that are religious. But there's 45% that are Christians. So if there's 700 million, that'd be about 250 million. Is, am I right? 45%? 36? Yeah, something like that. So if there's 250 million people that are Christians in the United States of America, what the heck is the problem? We're not in agreement. And the only reason you're not in agreement is because you've not been equipped. And the reason that you've not been equipped is because you've not engaged in the right stuff. Most people think church life is just some secondary thing when I get time. See, church life is not religion and it's not the organized church like you think of some boring religious thing that you have to go through the motions in. The organized church is about the preached word. How many this morning, don't raise your hand because I don't want to see it. Uh, how many would say that it would have been easier to stay at home this rainy, drizzly morning with the clouds and your bed and 
and you know most people don't work on Sundays and hmm? but by faith you got out of bed and you came and you purposed to come to do what hear something I've promised you for over 27 years to make sure that what you hear is going to impact you and challenge you because that's why we come together how many know baby dedications are great? Sabrina's baby and having that baby dedication is great, but that's not the reason that we come. But that's part of it. But that's not the core of why we come. We come to hear the word preached, right? Talking about connect groups is great, but you come here to be equipped with the word of God. And the word of God will liberate you and purposefully position you to be on the receiving end of the things of God and to help other people overcome in their life. If you're not overcoming, why in the world would you take time to help other people overcome in their life? You won't. You won't. It don't work that way. Amen? So, in this passage of Scripture, there are three components. And I want to look at these threes in verse 11 and verse 12 and verse 13. And he himself gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. So the first thing that verse 11 talks about is mentors, spiritual fathers and mothers, people that have been called by God to equip. Everybody say equip. Not just preach, okay? It's not, it's not just about preaching because lots of different people can preach. Th- those testimonials, what A shared earlier and, and, and what the horn sh- shared earlier, did, did, they, did they minister to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they ministered to me. What they said about what has, has been accomplished, that ministered to me. Now, were those three people nervous about sharing in front of you? Everybody say, yeah. Yeah, because most people would be. They'd be nervous about sharing. See, but the next component in verse 12 is this. Fivefold ministries to equip the saints to do what? For the, the rest of the people to do the ministry. And in, in the world we live in, the fivefold ministry has done most of the ministering. In the church world that I've known, in the past anyway, not so much that I'm seeing today, but in the church world of the past, what I knew, the, minist- the, 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 the mentors, the fivefold ministry did all the ministry. But the fivefold ministry, myself being a pastor, we're to equip so that the rest of the body can do the ministry. Now, what the horns and what Ace did earlier ministered to you. That's part of the ministry. They were called on to minister. Most people don't want to minister because they have a wrong idea of what ministry is. Well, you know, I'm not called to be a preacher. I didn't say that. Well, in other words, what you're saying is you weren't called to be an equipper. Notice it said a few. Some. But everybody's called to minister. Everybody. Everybody. If you want to understand more about 
ministering in the form of evangelism, sign up for Jessica's class. If you want to understand that, well, you know, I, you know I'm, not, I'm not really called to knock on doors and do those kind of things. Well, that, that's not the only form of evangelism, you know. In fact, I'm not sure that knocking on other people's doors is a real effective form of evangelism. Maybe some people do that. Maybe in some places it's like the number one way to do it. I don't necessarily think it would be in Kerrville, Texas. Eh, you know, what are you knocking on my door for? You know, I go to church. You know, what, what do you think, I need something or what? I mean, I've had people say that. Because I've done every form of evangelism that there is known to me. They've spit on me, they've hit me, you know. They slammed the door in my face. They've done everything. And, and because I just was passionate. I'd go to church and they'd say, there's an evangelism class, I was there. And then I was teaching the evangelism class. And then I was teaching every class. And I taught everyone and helped everybody and taught Bible studies and had connect groups in my house and did all, and then head over all the connect groups. And I mean, I did everything because I was passionate to do something, to show up and just do something, to connect. I wanted to connect with what God's will was for my life, you know. And, and, and ministry, ministry, is what, what, he, what, what they're talking, what he's talking about here, equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. Work of ministry. Ministry is about taking what you have and giving it to someone else. That's the best definition of ministry. Taking what you have and giving to someone else. If Steve Horn, if all he had, he can be born again, but if all he has to give someone else is what psychiatrists taught him that weren't born again, how is that going to help other people? Now, you may have a different theory or whatever. That's fine. I'm just telling you, I've not seen it work. From all my family members that went through all those kind of things with people that knew nothing about God to every other person I've known that's ever gone to those kind of things that knew nothing about God, the people that knew about God, that's a totally different situation. I'm talking about the God of the Bible. Because you can take principles you've learned from the Word and take the Bible, and the Bible, you can fit the Bible into those principles and those things that you've learned from the world about how to help people. But you just got to have the Bible in there. You've got to have Scripture. You've got to have the Word. You've got to have revelation going inside of people because if it's not revelation from God, people won't grow up and be liberated and set free. You know, this kind of stuff is simple, but it's important as people that are a part of a congregation that, that we understand why we do what we do. The whys are very important. Yeah, we know what we are. We're, we're, the, we're a church. We're a congregation of people. But why? Why? Because God is building his church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. And God can't build the church with people that don't think like him. It doesn't work. You can't take unrenewed people and build a church that is effective where the gates of hell will not prevail. You can build a social group. You can have church on the doorpost. You can say, I'm the first church of whatever. And you can have people that are born again and they, they, they get saved. But if there's no ongoing salvation of the soul and the renewing of the mind because of the preached word, and the main focus in the church is not the word, 
The main focus may be worship. It may be prayer. The main fo- we're, we're, we're a prayer church. We're a worship church. We're a this church. No, you have to be a word church. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. The word is where all the value and the strength to grow and to increase. Is worship important? Man, just today. I mean, the power of the word that came out of the worship today was, was I'm, I'm telling you, it just did something on the inside of me. But if I had no revelation of the word, those songs wouldn't mean anything. Oh, that was pretty. No, it was more than pretty. It was impacting. It was life-changing. There was something said in that last song, it's the reason I sang it again, that liberated me in, in, in just one word from God will change your life forever. And it should be that way this week and next week and for the rest of your life. One word from God. One thing out of that song did something in my heart. Because I'm open to hear. Why? Because my mind is renewed and it's trained to receive what the Word says. What I'm sharing with you today, it'll minister to you if you're open to receive what I'm saying. Now, just because I'm saying it doesn't mean it's gospel. You've got to go look for it. You've got to go look through it for yourself is what he's saying true. So, the three components, number one, are mentors. Number two, it's ministry. And then number three, in verse 13... Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a, to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What he's talking about there is maturity. <clears throat> now, I was taught in the first 15 years of my Christian walk, I was taught that ministry came after maturity. In this passage of Scripture, ministry is what produces maturity. Most people are afraid to minister, and so what it does, it stunts their maturity. So when I step out in faith and begin to minister to family members and friends and people that are Acquaintances of mine, people in church, and you, you know uh, what the horns made the point was that that uh, when Steve was going through surgery, that the Lamonts were there. They had a real connection with the Lamonts because of the connect group, and so a lot of times they called the Lamonts, even though the Lamonts are part of our prayer ministry here, but they called them because they were the leaders of the connect group. See, that's the way it works. So, so they called and, and were ministered to, but it developed a greater connection and, and a realization that people really believe what they say. Well, I can actually call and they'll take the time to minister and share and, and do the things that, I, that, I, that I'm needing. And, and that's, what, that's what matters, see? And, and when we step out in faith and we're not afraid to minister to a person, what it does is it matures you. So you come here for what? Equipping, right? Fivefold ministry is to equip the saints so that the saints do the work of the ministry. And then when everybody's ministering, we mature to a level like the world has never seen before. <laughs> Yippee-yay. Hmm? That's my message to you today.
engage in being equipped. But take what you have from today and look for opportunities to give someone else what you have in whatever form that is. I didn't say preach to people. Some people that you come in contact with, you may just need to be a friend to them. Just love them. Just, you know, uh, maybe you're in the Starbucks drive-thru and, and uh, God tells you to buy the coffee of the person behind you because you're looking in your rearview mirror. I don't, I, and I'm not saying go buy the person's coffee of the, the next person that's behind you. I'm saying, you know, I've, I've been sitting in the drive-thru at times. I look in the rearview mirror and the Holy Spirit says buy their coffee. Now, they've had a thing at Starbucks where you buy the person behind, you know, that kind of deal. But you know what? That was a good thing because it stirred me to be aware of the people behind me. So when I'm in line at Starbucks, which is frequently, (laughs) I'm looking in the rearview mirror to see who's behind me. And there's been a number of times I've bought their coffee. Well, but how, how, how am I ministering to them? You think they're talking about you? They may not know, know who you are. You may never see them again. But they're talking about you. Why? Because you blessed somebody behind you. You gave them something. You did something. You, they, they don't even have to know you. I was in a mall in, a, in another state. And I was ministering to a guy. And my first thought is I was just sharing something with this guy because he just looked whatever. As I began to talk to him, he began to weep. And I, my first thought is, Man, i got to get him connected to people. And God said, minister the word to him because the word you give him will not return void but accomplish what you set it out to accomplish. Listen, folks, we're in a win-win. We don't have to figure it all out in our minds. Oh, i got to get him in a church. No, that may be the worst thing you could do. Especially if you get him in the wrong church. Right? Let the Holy Spirit take control of the thing. One plants, one waters, God will bring the increase. When I left that guy... God didn't tell me to do anything else other than pray for him. I told my wife when I came home about this several years back, I told her about it, and for probably a year I prayed for that guy. I had his, I had a, I had his phone number on a little, on a, on a, just a, on a napkin that was on my desk for about a year, and I prayed. And I promise you, I promise you, that guy, that guy's life is liberated and free. I promise you. I didn't lead him to the Lord that day because he, he, he wasn't ready to receive. I asked him. He wasn't ready to receive it. Why would you force a guy to make a confession when he's not ready? Because if you force him into a confession and he's not ready, he's not born again. But I promise you that guy is saved and his life is turned around. And he had some really strange ideas. But the word I sowed in him did not return void, but it accomplished. And maybe he's still not in today, but before he leaves this planet, he'll be in the kingdom. Why? Because I prayed for him, I spoke the word, and I believed it. See, when you get wrapped up in things like that, you, you don't have time to think about yourself. But you'll never get wrapped up in those things if you don't believe in what God is building. He's building the church, which is his body. And you don't believe in the preached word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. Only the word of God. It's the word that is preached. Romans chapter 10 and verse 16, 17 in there. It's the word that is preached. You need to hear the word preached, equipping you to do work of the ministry so that we all mature together. God wants the body of Jesus Christ maturing. So one of the reasons, the main reasons that we do connect groups. And all these connect group tables are set up back here 
are for you to build relationships so that you can be discipled and disciple. Because discipleship is being made like God in every way. Being equipped by the word, but then the discipleship process is in relationship with other people where you're giving out, you're helping other people as other people are helping you. So disciples make disciples, right? And, and when, when as, as you sign up for these and as you're committed to those, remember this message today about the importance of connection and why we need to connect and be a part of the body of Jesus Christ so that we can mature together and the world can see something effective. The world can see 250 people, 250 million people in the United States of America making a difference. Or whatever, then I probably got that number wrong, so don't hold me to that. I didn't do real well in algebra. <clears throat> I did later, though. <laughs> I did later when I got into college because I had to. <laughs> uh, anyway, enough of that. Is God good? God is good. Amen? And, and it's a good thing to be alive today, and it's a good thing to be a part of what God is doing in the earth. Can you say amen?